I'm the guy who's been fertilizing the tree for 30 years. That is a horrifying image. I, I was, I was thinking like with, with dirt and a shovel. <laughs> I didn't. I wasn't going the direction you were going with it, but. Okay. Yes. That green thumb. I don't want to know where the green thumb has been. <sighs> Thomas, you fertilize your green thumb on another podcast. You're listening to PHP Ugly, episode 30, recorded September 30th, 2016. Today we talk about Laravel Forge adding a development blog, DigitalOcean and GitHub's Hacktoberfest, Symphony reaches 500 million downloads, Bugsnag adds support for seeing what happens before an exception is thrown, View 2.0 released, and more. Let's get ugly. September 30th, episode 30. Coincidence or have the stars aligned? This is PHP Ugly. It's coincidence. Man, you just keep stepping on my toes. Sorry. You, I, we. This is why we don't dance anymore, right? You know, we used to do the slow dance, and you just all over me. A distance How's it going, grown Thomas? between us. Pretty Thomas good. How are you doing, well, Eric? That's called a belly, but yeah. <laughs> distance between yeah, belly. Oh man. It's it's technically two bellies. <laughs> uh I am actually doing a lot better, Thomas, than I have been for a very long time. You look refreshed. Well, I don't know about refreshed. I, I feel like I I survived. I've had a very long week, both physically and emotionally and I tell you I I was probably the sickest I've been in a very long time for a very long time. And then on top of all that, I had to travel out to Arizona again um, to address some family issues. And it was just tough all around. And it it all started like last Saturday. Uh, I got so sick. I I don't even remember Saturday. I, I slept through the entire day. I mean, I think I was up for maybe three hours. And um as someone who works fairly regularly on a daily basis i mean seven days a week is not crazy for me to do some form of work i probably did not do any work for the entire week i I mean yeah we're talking about up until today i i finally kind of got back online started answering some emails it was just such a rough rough week for me Damn. But I'm happy. I'm still a little stuffed up. I still feel a little congested, but it's all breaking up in my chest. And I'm sitting upright, which is a huge improvement over a couple of days ago. <laughs> so I, uh, I, uh, I'm back in the saddle. I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting my, getting my swag back, baby. Getting the swag oh, back. Oh but... God, don't say that. No. <laughs> yeah, I, I got hit pretty bad on uh, Monday. I was down for about three hours. And that, that was, that was it. I was, I was sick for like. Maybe half a day. Yeah, no. This was a tough one. I I did manage to muscle up enough energy on, what day was it? I guess it was Tuesday. Yeah, it was Tuesday uh, when I drove out to Arizona. I've been spending a lot of time in Arizona of late. I have parents that live out there, and I've had a lot of reasons to, to have to travel out there over the last year on a regular basis. And it was funny because one of my trips out to Arizona, I always try to attend 
meetups wherever I travel. So if I'm traveling somewhere, I look to see if there's a PHP meetup going while I'm there. Because it's like AA to me, you know. I, I'm like, I feel like I have to attend the meeting if there's one around. So and like, a, like a really boring version of Fight Club. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, so I always look, and I've never managed to attend a Arizona PHP meetup. A Phoenix, I guess it would be a Phoenix PHP meetup. But I think it's called Arizona. I don't know. I, I've never been able to attend one of their PHP meetups in Phoenix, the Phoenix area. But I, years ago, I did, when I was doing that, happened to stumble across the uh, Larizona meetup, which is the Laravel user group in Phoenix, really? the Phoenix area. Yeah. And it was after attending that one, I kind of got the, I came to the realization that we, we needed one in San Diego. And uh, it was shortly after coming back from that meetup, I'm like, hey, why don't we get and start a Laravel meetup here since... It was kind of one of the more requested talks month after month with our PHP group. Right. So so I never never attended a PHP meetup in the Arizona area, and I was able to do that on Tuesday. And, again, I, I like just seeing how other user groups are ran, how what sort of people come to their meetups, and what sort of topics they have, and... So that was fun. I, I got to introduce myself, and they had a had a little bit of a roundtable. So I got to actually do a lot of talking, which for better or for worse for them. <laughs> <laughs> but it was good. It was a real good time, and it was nice to meet uh, meet and greet with a few more PHP developers. But I didn't miss the Laravel, San Diego Laravel meetup, and I hear your boy Evan did a fantastic job. Yeah, swinging for the fences with that one. Uh... I told you he was good. He was he was down for the the whole time and still wasn't able to get to everything he wanted to get to. Yes, our buddy John Congdon is out out again. Uh, this time I think he he might not be feeling well is one of his issues. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, down with the sickness, so they say. Yeah, there's something going around. It, it, it traveled through my entire house before I got it. So uh, and it's not, unfortunately it sounds like it's making a second trip because my wife is. Sort of experiencing it again, but nowhere near as bad. So I'm hoping John gets better soon. Yeah, it's it's always bad when the wife gets gets what you've had because it's like having it twice. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, you know, we talked about meetups, a lot of meetups. Uh, Arizona, PHP, Laravel, San Diego, blah blah blah. Have you been to the meetup site lately? Meetup.com. I haven't. Was there anything interesting going on there? There is a major reskin. Uh, when I was in Arizona, I went to pull it up on my phone, and I couldn't find the icon, because I, I kind of know what the icon looks like. It was that old, hi, my name is sort of badge. Oh, and I'm right. looking at my phone, I'm like, where did my icon go? And I couldn't find it. And eventually I realized that it had changed the icon, and the whole application looked different, and I went to the site today, and it's like, the entire site is different. Yeah, the, the new icon sort of looks like uh, if Comic Sans was in cursive. Yeah, it's very hip, very modern. No, no, no. It is is hideous. (laughs) I I was trying to be complimentary. I'm not sure what they're going for here. Well, I'd assume money. You think? It looks kind of half-baked, to be honest with you. Yeah. I don't know. It It looks unfinished. It looks kind of just... I don't know. I'm not not impressed. I'm... I have, I have ad blocker turned on. I wonder if I'm missing anything here. Ah, I didn't even think about that. Nope, still ugly. 
<laughs> yeah. So yeah, meetup.com has a new look and feel, for better or for worse. Looks like more towards the worst side, but. <laughs> so what else we got? We got uh, a handful of news today. We've got a little bit of news. It's been a pretty busy week in the PHP world, Laravel PHP world. Laravel Forge. We talked a couple of shows back how Laravel Inc., the, the company Laravel that was originally just Taylor, finally decided to hire its first employee. And right. One of the per- one of the purposes of that was to allow some of the products that Taylor has developed to move forward, and you know give him some resources to start moving those forward. And the one of the first ones he attacked was Forge. I guess they started releasing a, a lot of uh, new features with Forge. I don't use Forge. I haven't even played with it. Have Have you looked at it at all? You know, there have been a, a couple of presentations on it at the meetup, but uh, I haven't used it. I do know that there are some people who rely very heavily on it, though. It's sort of a, a startup, small business, or personal business system. Yeah, that's what I get as well. It's The people who use it seem to enjoy it a lot, seem to rely very heavily on it. To, to me, I, I guess I'm an old school admin. It's like, yeah, it's... It's a nice to have, but it's not something I've ever felt like I needed. Right. But there are a lot of people out there. There are a lot of developers out there that just don't have sysadmin skills, and for them, you know, things like Forge are irreplaceable. But they released enough uh, new features with Forge that Taylor t- today decided to open up a Forge blog, developer blog, so that he could better explain some of the features he's rolling out and things like that. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, and that is that is better than the follow me on Twitter methodology that, that we were previously using. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, it's so hard to stay on top of uh, what's what's happening on when you know all you're trying to do is follow follow people on Twitter. It's just a pain in the ass. So the other thing that kind of caught my eye and I thought this was kind this was cool. I'm thinking about maybe actively participating in it, but I, I'm not positive if I'm going to have the time. Well, limited but, edition t-shirt, come on, you gotta. Right? I mean, DigitalOcean and uh, GitHub have partnered up, and they're having a Hacktoberfest 2016. And basically all you have to do is open four pull requests to an open source project, and... You get a free T-shirt, uh, a free limited edition DigitalOcean T-shirt. See, I'm surprised you're not already immediately on top of this because it's, it's your thing. It's T-shirts, open source, October. <laughs> this is like the pumpkin spice of open source. I think it's it's creative. I really do think it's creative to get people more people interested in contributing to open source and taking a look at open source projects. So. I try to contribute to open source when I can. Like I said, I may make an active effort to try to open four pull requests in the next month, but I don't know. I'm so busy. I, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going to try to change my my normal behavior, but we'll see. Well, they don't have to be good pull requests. Well, and, and I don't think the pull requests actually need to be merged. I think you just have to open them. Yeah. But, just four, there's, there's... four tickets that say, give me a t-shirt, give me a t-shirt, give me a t-shirt. <laughs> There's got to be four, like, document 
you know, errors out there somewhere in readmes. <laughs> There's got to be four readme errors out there somewhere. Well, they've they've got a link there that says browse issues labeled Hacktoberfest. So you just just sort of pick one and start going at it. I missed that. Where is that at? That's browse right. issues. Get involved. Right, right in the middle of the page. Browse more projects on. What? Where are you saying browse issues? Oh yeah, look at that. I mean, yeah. I was just browsing projects. Oh. Oh, that's cute. Oktoberfest, HacktoberPHP. Oh, so yeah, so whatever language platform you're comfortable with, there's tons of very well organized efforts that you can uh, try to tackle. Um, quite a few for PHP. It looks like over 300 for PHP, JavaScript 600. Lots of stuff out there. Lots of stuff. I, I might have to take a look through this list. Yeah, it seems like if you want to want to get some work done on your open source project, it might be a nice place to add some stuff too. I just thought that read readme.md needs improvement. Really, that's that's there you all go. it says. <laughs> that's funny. Ah, that's cool. Yep, there it is, right there. So that, that those links, that link will be in our our show notes. Yeah, I might have to jump in on that too. So here's some some not surprising news of the day. What's that? Symphony has reached over 500 million downloads. That seems pretty massive. That is 500 pretty... million. Yeah. Have you ever worked with Symphony? I mean, directly with Symphony, not just Symphony components or through Laravel. Have you worked with the Symphony framework? No, not directly. I, I you know, like you said, I use it a lot through Laravel. And then there's a lot of stuff like Drupal and PHPBB. That, that use yeah. components, but I haven't used the framework directly. Yeah, I think I think uh, man, Symphony components get utilized everywhere. Um, but yeah, I, I've never worked with the framework directly myself. We have a guy on our team who's kind of a Symphony expert, and uh, I've known several through the PHP user group, and they're real big uh, proponents of Symphony, thinking that you know it's. It's the cat's meow. It's it is the framework to know if you want to code an enterprise, any level really. But Symphony is kind of kind of one of the the leaders out there. Yeah, it's definitely uh, one of the go-to frameworks if you want to buff up your uh, resume. Yeah, Bugsnag released an interesting feature, I guess, to its uh, Laravel package. Yeah. And I know you use Bugsnag, and I, I know do. you use it on Laravel projects. Have you had an opportunity to see this yet in action? I haven't seen this in action. So their their new thing is breadcrumbs, or basically seeing browsing, uh, or not browsing, but uh, program behavior before a problem occurs. So it it sort of fetches all of your queries that were executed and stuff like that. And when a an exception is thrown, it dumps that into part of the metadata for the bug. So when you jump in there, you've got the most information possible. Um, and, and you find that beneficial how? Because th this lets you help track down those issues where you hit the same page, you hit the same page, you hit the same page, and then, you know, one out of five times... It throws an exception, right? You know, and, uh, and it lets you show. It also allows you to see maybe what data was being passed to the page and things like that. It's very, very helpful, allowing you to capture you know maybe user input that 
could have triggered the exception that followed, which normally you would you wouldn't get that. You would just have gotten an exception with was thrown and maybe be able to grip why that exception was thrown through the error message. But by having that little insight of what was happening right before that exception was thrown, what that request looked like, that that's real beneficial. Yeah, and there they had metadata before, but you had to sort of configure it on on a per exception basis. Uh, so now you can sort of wrap it up in a single useful feature instead of having to do it piecemeal. Right. Yeah, that that looks exciting. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to get back into Bugsnag. We're not using Bugsnag on any of our projects, uh, mainly because of a cost issue. But I don't know. I I think there's one or two clients that might be willing to pay for it. I should damn nice. It. I, mean, I it... loved using it when I used it. One of the nicest things about it is that it really works as a an exception handler and issue tracker in one. The issue tracking where it creates tickets and it bundles together exceptions under a ticket and you can resolve them all together or split them up and look at metadata. I, I forget, does that integrate with GitHub or not? I haven't used it integrated with GitHub, but okay. what, what yeah. doesn't integrate with GitHub? I mean, really, yeah, that's yeah. that's true, huh? I'm sure there's a Hacktoberfest ticket for it if you can't. <laughs> uh, Vue, Vue.js, the, the JavaScript framework that we're growing to love. Vue I, I've, I've made an effort to, yes, Vue 2.0 has officially been released, I think, today. Was it today? I, I think forget. So. That's one of the things about doing the show weekly is like you never know for sure when something <laughs> happened. Yes, it was today. It was released today. I think that's like two things we announced that happened today. Man, we are See? on top of it. That's what we get for, for putting off the podcast yesterday. <laughs> no, we are recording Friday night as opposed to Thursday night. So, yeah, we, we captured a couple extra uh, little events happening that we would have we would have missed. So yeah, View 2.0 uh, came out. I did do a talk on this. Um, again, I'm not close to being a View expert or even a JavaScript expert to understand some of the uh, some of the benefits. I, I know it's faster. I mean, that, that's one of the one of the big things is is the the rendering. The one thing that that was fairly significant, and if you remember, John even started to discuss it a little bit. John being more of our JavaScript guru out of the three of us was the virtual dom and uh what benefits that brought so Vue.js now uses a virtual dom and the way john was explaining it is instead of it rewriting the entire dom by using this virtual dom it's able to just do like these comparison rewrites which makes it so you know makes it a lot quicker uh it may, makes a lot of sense when he explains it so that was one of the one of the big benefits that that struck me with the view 2.0 there's there's if you're a javascript person there's a lot more to it but uh that's that's really the thing that stood out to me yeah i, I really view as one of the things i want to get into and i just i keep getting started on it and then something happens and it has to be taken care of right away and yeah i need to do some uh view js self-taught or self-guided stuff for sure it's fun. It's one of these weird, satisfying feelings because it's a front end, and I don't work on front ends a lot. I'm more of a back end API guy. 
So to do something and then to you know to see it on the screen, it's like oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's yeah. just a couple lines of code and you know this and that happens. That's that's neat. Yeah, like like trying to play, trying to explain to people what it is you do for a living. Well, I work entirely in CRMs and backend systems. Okay, yeah. can I see any, is anything anything I would recognize? Like no, not nothing <laughs> at all. And well, even if you saw it, we, you wouldn't know what it was you were looking at. We're like, I, I try to explain. I'm like, you, you ever see when a tree is chopped down and there are all those rings inside? That's what I do. I'm <laughs> the rings inside the tree. You know, I don't, you, I don't make the outside of the tree that everybody sees and thinks and all the pretty leaves changing colors. And yeah, that's not me. I'm yeah. the guy inside making all the rings so that the tree can be made on the outside. I'm, I'm the guy who's been fertilizing the tree for 30 years. That is a horrifying image. I, I was, I was also... thinking like with, with dirt and a shovel. <laughs> I didn't. I wasn't going the direction you were going with it. Okay. Yes. That green thumb. I don't want to know where the green thumb has been. <sighs> Thomas, you fertilize your green thumb so on another podcast. PHP 7.1 has hit RC3. RC3? RC3, release candidate 3. Uh, a lot of speculation that this is going to be the last of the release candidates. Man. They're like moving at warp speed with PHP releases now. Yeah. So when did seven O get come out? Uh, just after six. <laughs> just after six. Just a... Funny guy. Funny uh, guy. I don't know. I don't know when seven O was released. I mean, it hasn't been a year. It's it's been you know about six months, right? It, it hasn't been that long. Yeah, it hasn't been that long. Seven O two was in January. Okay. All right. So yeah, I guess it's been over six months, but man. It, it just seems to, they seem to be kicking it out pretty quick. That's, I guess, a good thing. One of the things we talked about at the Arizona PHP meetup was the effort to stay current. And how far behind can you fall before you get concerned? You know, because you got a lot of people, myself included, who have clients that have systems that are on 5.6 or earlier than 5.6. And 5.6? That's got to stop. Five six in this year loses uh, security updates, right? Yeah, I mean that that's happening real soon. So it's a challenge. I mean, I, I don't know. This is the thing we were talking about. It's it's like if you're just talking about PHP and staying current with PHP, yeah, it, it's not really that difficult. I mean, when there are these version changes from five X to seven X, there's a little bit more effort that needs to go into it. But the problem is we're not just talking about PHP. We're talking about PHP. We're talking about Apache. We're talking about Nginx. We're talking about MySQL, Postgres. We're talking about the OS you know, layer. We're and we're talking about the full stack and trying to stay current with that entire stack. Yeah. Month over month is such a challenge. And, and the moment you start to fall behind, it just is a snowball effect. It, you fall further and further behind and it becomes more and more of an effort to get caught up and... It's terrible. That's why when people ask what I do, I say I'm basically a doctor. It's, Explain. It's, it's the same amount of upkeep work. You know, I, I have to be constantly educating myself, recertify. People look up to me as a pillar of the community. I'm I'm handsome. Uh, drive an expensive. Uh, wake up! Wake up, Thomas! Oh, oh God! <laughs> I'm sorry. Where am I? You, you dozed off there again. You were talking in your sleep. <laughs> So uh, one of the one of the reasons uh, you stay current is because you want to take use of all the the latest and greatest gadgets and such, right? Yeah. And I uh, hear Apache's got some 
some new cool things happening. Oh boy, Apache's fancy new cybersecurity system. Explain. I'm well, interested okay. to hear about this. I didn't get a chance to, to read the article, so I, I want to hear what you have to say about it. Apache's weird already. Apache is a software foundation, and they do stuff called incubating. They they take projects and turn them into Apache-level projects. They've done this with Hadoop and things like that. And their their newest one is Spot. Spot. Spot is a cybersecurity project that is going to use machine learning or AI basically to to filter traffic. It will identify DDoSs, it'll identify noise, it'll whitelist and blacklist stuff automatically, and it will basically attempt to guarantee and improve security across the board. And this includes attack type vectors, attack data. So not just, you know, the the really simple DDoS where something's getting sent to you, but even a more calculated encroachment on your security. So you're saying it's you're saying it's using AI, but I mean there are application firewalls out there now that works for, work very much like virus protection on your computer where it gets uh, a fingerprint of behaviors and it looks for those behaviors. AI kind of gives me the impression that this is going to be like a learning platform. Like it's going yeah. to start to expect certain traffic patterns to your site. And when it starts to see things out of whack, it'll behave differently. Yeah, it will. It's It'll learn what attack looks like over time. It'll learn what DDoSs look like and what normal traffic looks like. It'll but learn... but it'll, it'll, it'll learn it to whatever it's protecting, right? I mean, because, I mean, it, all these application firewalls learn. I mean, they, they're constantly pushed down new updates and new libraries that are, uh, I forget what they used to call the fingerprints, but... Yeah, uh, well, uh, those, those systems, they're told. They're not really mm-hmm. learning. In this situation, it will actually be generating its own threat assessments based off of previous information. So it'll, it'll see new patterns arise and it will decide if that pattern is a secure pattern or an insecure pattern and make decisions based off of that. So it, it's not just the data that's fingerprinting, but it's also generating its own fingerprints for what normal looks like. So it, it's as if you had a person watching all the network traffic coming through your router and deciding manually which ones are good guys and which ones are bad guys. Interesting. So it's it's uh, being contributed to by by eBay, Webroot, Jask, Cyberax, Cloudwick, and Endgame. These sound like devolving series of book sequels. <laughs> or D and D characters. Cyberax, Cloudwick, the Endgame. Pretty sure the Endgame is actually a uh, a book. <laughs> So it'll be interesting to see uh, where this moves forward. You know, Apache, uh, people are very used to using Apache Web Server, but uh, when you start getting into some of Apache's other projects, they're at a much more, a much higher level of understanding. Uh, things like their machine learning engine, Spark, and <laughs> stuff like that. It, 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 we'll see what products come out of Spot. Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm interested. Always looking for that that extra edge in our industry to help you sleep at night. And this, this might be one of those uh, products that allows us to rest a little easier. 
But I ask you, how do you get the edge when you want to get to work in the day? How do I get the edge when I want to get to work in the day? Yes. I'm going to I'm going to make you say it. <laughs> <laughs> so I found this next uh, topic very interesting when I saw you post it. Uh, for people, regular listeners of the show, we know that we typically, as the week progresses, we'll post interesting stories we think we want to talk about into a Trillo board, and then we'll all kind of review it and do some research. And I saw this one, and it's really weird that that this was posted here, because myself, personally... I'm not a recreational drug user. Uh, never been one. I don't fault people who do certain recreational drugs who do it responsibly. Uh, irresponsible use of drugs, either legal, illegal, alcohol, or whatever, is a problem. I'm, that's just an overall swooping problem. But there are some things that can be done recreationally that can be done responsibly. So I, I've never judged people who do that. I just have never been one of the people who have done it. It's never appealed to me. With one exception, LSD. Now, I've never done LSD, but I've, it's been the one kind of drug that I've always kind of wanted to try. And I think the thing that has prevented me from trying it is that it's a, a synthetic drug, which I kind of have a problem with. I think if I were to try a recreational drug, I wouldn't want it to be a synthetic drug. Just it's... A mental thing for me but LSD seems to be the behavior I would want out of a drug this mind melting mind warping experience and you posted this card why are you not taking LSD to improve your work performance please 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 explain this one to me so as clickbaity as that headline is it is coming from Wired formerly magazine Possibly still a magazine, but, you know, really, let's be honest honest with ourselves. Who reads on paper anymore? Yeah. And it's a blog post basically talking about the theoretical people of Silicon Valley who are taking small amounts of LSD to improve their work performance. You know, and of course it's San Francisco. Of course this is... The so I'm gonna I, I'm gonna cut you off there. Don't don't keep saying of course, of course, of course. One of the first uh, stories I remember hearing of like this sort of LSD usage was by the guy who founded DNA, and he would recreate. He would periodically go up to Big Bear, which is like the mountains here in Southern California where it snows and stuff. He had a sure. cabin up in Big Bear. He would periodically go up there and do some LSD to help free his mind, to help, you know, get those neurons connecting that don't normally connect. And he accredited this behavior to his ability to kind of theorize about DNA and and come up with that. And the guy got, you know, one of these Nobel Peace Prizes for it. And, of course, when they told him he won the Nobel Peace Prize, he's got a surfboard in one hand. He's like, okay, well, waves are up, so I kind of have to go. (laughs) (laughs) Like, this guy is fantastic. Yeah, I, it isn't too surprising. I mean, for, for all of the the fight that developers put up about how programming can be uh, an art form or at least artistic in its work, uh, it, it shouldn't be too surprising to say that mind-expanding experiences would help improve your artistic work. Um, we kind of accept it freely with sculptors and painters and things like that, but it does have a negative connotation in a 
software development environment. And I think it's because of the idea of somebody, you know, you're working for somebody. Right. You know, if, if I'm working on my own project and I decide to do the whole thing while under the influence, then that's all on me. But if I'm working for somebody and they're paying me good money of theirs and I've been high the whole time, they might rightfully be upset. So it's interesting to see this sort of public conversation about it occurring because these are the kinds of questions that do need to be asked about brain-enhancing drugs. I mean, it's not questioned in the slightest bit that college students are taking Adderall to study all night and pass tests. So does this have the same somewhat benign reputation in these dot-com startups? Yeah, there's there was a series on Amazon called Beta, and it was it was Silicon Valley. What what Silicon Valley was H to HBO, Betas was to the Amazon Prime series. They only had one season. I thought it was a pretty funny series. Actually, it came out before, right before Silicon Valley. I mean, I think a season before Silicon Valley. I thought it was it was a pretty well done, funny thing. Had some good actors in it, but one entire show. They're they're trying to get their startup going, and one entire show was about them going into the mountains and doing. It might have been, it might I think it was mushrooms is what they were doing then. They went up to the the mountains and did mushrooms to to help their creative juices, and it was funny. And they were sent there by like their mentor to to do them. And you know, and Silicon became... Valley did the same thing. Silicon <laughs> Valley had an episode, although it did not turn out well. But have you ever heard of the? Uh... The monkey on drugs theory of evolution? No. It's sort of an older theory about how the the human mind evolved out of the ape mind and basically attributes most of the progress to psilocybin, to mushrooms. <laughs> yeah, see, see, this, see now, now you're treading into dangerous territory where I, I'm not opposed to drug use and, and recreational drug use. I, I, I do start to get a little defensive when people start touting the powers of, you know, we're here because of pot and we're, you know, ah, man, it's like, let's not put it on too high of a pedestal here. It's, if we, if we want to say it's okay and we're okay with people doing it, Rick, that's one thing, but let's, let's not start to pump this fucking thing up too high because it's not that. Okay. And it's not going to be that. And that's where I'll start to butt heads with people. If you haven't noticed. Yeah, no, and, and I, I agree. Like, there's definitely, it's playing with a dangerous tool. I agree. So I'm going to let you uh, move this show along. Moving it along. Hey, hey, Eric, want to go to Mars? Wanna... <laughs> I do want to go to Mars. I really want to go to Mars. Yeah? Yeah. And I, I'm disappointed because I'm pretty sure it's not going to happen in my lifetime. But I think I'm going to be right there. Like, my kids or my kids' kids are going to have that ability. I, I think we'll be watching it on YouTube. Yeah? I think we'll, yeah, I think we'll see it streaming. For sure. E- Elon Musk announced his SpaceX interplanetary transport system. Which, boy, is it sci-fi. And, <laughs> and phallic. <laughs> phallic. And, well, yeah. most ro- most rockets are phallic. Yeah, this one has a tip. <laughs> one, it has a real clearly defined. Is it like an, an oddly placed, inappropriate tip? Like it really doesn't need to be there, but yeah. somebody seemed to like really want that tip there. Yeah, I'm not sure why it's venting helium out the top. That seems unusual to me. <laughs> but I am not a rocket scientist. <laughs> clearly, 
because you would understand if if you were. <laughs> Elon Musk is his. This guy's got balls. I, he wants to live on Mars. He is the real embodiment of Tony Stark. He is our Tony Stark. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the thing that caught me was that this video. It's you know a few minutes long. It shows the the multi-stage process for getting a ship ready to go up and out to Mars. It's got some some pretty solid dates set of when he wants to do this and he's got a project plan. I mean, this is going to happen uh pending some, you know, cataclysmic event. So, he's he's ready to do this, but the end of his video shows the the red planet turning into the green and blue planet. <laughs> and well that's the goal, right? I mean, that that's what every, all the scientists says can happen. I I mentioned this to somebody that Elon Musk wants to terraform Mars, and they they said no. He just wants to send a rocket there. And I was no, like, that's the plan. I the was plan like, is to... yeah, I was like, trust me, the dude who wants to send rockets to Mars is already sleeping, thinking about terraforming Mars. He's yeah. ready to do it. Yeah, and, exactly. You know, and it's it's funny in his situation. He wants to be taken seriously. I mean, he he is being taken seriously. He wants to continue to be taken seriously. Do you think he he doesn't deserve to be taken seriously? Oh, no, absolutely does deserve to be. But I think he's afraid that if he said, came out straight away and said, oh, yeah, no, I'm going to terraform Mars, that he would be derided in some way by politicians and and laymen. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it might turn into a little bit of a witch hunt. Uh, just because it's it's that whole premise of feeble minds, right? And and not being able to comprehend what's what's happening, and so it must be witchcraftery, and we we have to kill this guy because of of what he's doing, and so you've you've got to talk to them like baby baby steps, and slowly walk them through the process. Yeah, yeah. I was talking with somebody this week about uh, what what it would take to start terraforming Mars in the way that was pictured. They said, "Why well, you, know, you couldn't you couldn't pump out enough greenhouse gas and stuff to do that? You'd, you'd have to, you know, really you'd have to pump out tons and tons of CO two and O two per second." And I said, "Yeah, we're doing that on accident right now. Yeah, like we exactly. You know, if we really tried, I'm sure we could set Mars on fire. Like, <laughs> it, I don't. Th- I, we might accidentally do it just by landing there." So I, I I am super excited for a two habitable planet solar system here. Yeah, I think it's going to be very cool. Very and that cool. video, man, that video is just, it's done seriously enough where, like, it could be a student project from a guy who just got out of art school. It's like, yeah, design a rocket system. But then, you know, it's got Elon Musk's silhouette in front of the Martian surface. And you're like, oh, shit, we're going to do it. We're really going to do it. <laughs> It's hey man, we're gonna do it. The guy, the guy's not failed us yet. He, yeah, all this you know, electric cars, and he's the guy that's done it. So he's gonna be the one. Doable. He's gonna put us on Mars. And yeah. you know, he keeps saying, he keeps saying, he wants the human species. He wants the human species to be a multi-planet species. And and you know, if if you read sci-fi, I mean, read sci-fi from twenty years ago, and it's talking about. Uh, the cyberpunk future and information technology and all that stuff. You read science fi- sci-fi right now, and it's all about how everyone's going to die here. Mm-hmm. We're not long of this Earth. Well, and the Earth is the Earth as a whole is, will be become one big ghetto. <laughs> yeah. Right? All, all the uh, people who are well-off are, will, will be off-planet. 
they'll be living in, in halos and feeding off of Dyson spheres. Fantastic. You got one more story. We're running long. We're running one, long. One, one more, more story. story. Last week. What's it going to be? Last this week. is Tom's Doom and Gloom Minute. Uh, Tom's oh. Doom and Gloom Minute. Oh, that's the one you're going with? I'm gonna I'm gonna give you two I'm gonna give you two more stories because I think that one's important too. All right, all right, do it. Last week we discussed how Yahoo said that they were being hacked by a state-sponsored group. I still think it was Kentucky. Yeah. Yeah, it turns out that that's probably entirely untrue. And, what? And that even even worse, it might be uh, the CEO's fault. <laughs> oh no, the CEO, the the woman. Yeah. No. Yeah. So there, a lot of information came out that that security requests were being made, dollars to improve security, infrastructure, things like that. Things were pointed out and then shut down uh, specifically by Miss Mayor, the uh, CEO of Yahoo. Okay, so that's stretching it a little bit to say that. That's the the reason they, they got compromised. Well, the, the quote here is, she denied Yahoo's security team financial resources and put off proactive security de- defenses, including intrusion detection mechanisms for Yahoo's production systems. Okay, that, that's vague, though. I mean, because as a security, working for an enterprise, as a security team, all you do is request new things. I mean, it's like this non-ending request form of, hey, this new application firewall is out there. Let's get it. And eventually, yes, a CTO or a CEO has to step in and say, you know, you guys have spent too much money. You've got to protect us with the tools that I've already given you or stop. So I don't know how we jump from... Sure, but this is Yahoo. I mean, you're looking at people who are developing yeah, those exactly. tools. This is Yahoo, not an exactly sound company financially and one that's struggling. So, yeah... You know, decisions have to be made somewhere. But I, I'm still unclear how we got, got from, you know, there's evidence that another country had targeted and explicitly attacked Yahoo to, oh, no, this is just because some CEO didn't approve a wreck. Well, oh, the... Come on, be honest with me. There's right. a group called Info Armor who did some I'm gonna, research. I'm going to start calling this, I'm not ta- calling this Tom's Loom and Doom Corner anymore. I'm calling this Tom's Clip clickbait we call it the bullshit part. minute click bullshit minute that's probably better <laughs> yeah because you always come in with these clickbaity sort of lines like oh no this all happened because you know somebody left the light on in the bathroom it's like yeah, no it's not you know this is this is somebody from the security group saying well we could have done more if we were given the tools we asked for that's how i read it well there is a security group who looked into this and there was a state group that purchased the information but it was sold by the hacker group that got the information uh three times total only one of which was a state-sponsored purchase so this this wasn't a state-sponsored hack this was just your run-of-the-mill hack for profit situation so we were right (laughs) it was kentucky it was kentucky those guys in kentucky every time okay so, like I said, I, I'm going to give you two cards left. We're running short on time. We, we only have uh, our 30-minute podcast, which runs fairly regularly an hour long, cannot <laughs> run over an hour because that's all we pay editors for. So we need to be 
quick and quick for this one, but I I read it. I thought it was important enough where we should say something. Oh, you so read it? Go ahead. Good. I, 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 read, didn't, I, I didn't really read this one. You didn't read it through. <laughs> I, I read most of it. Okay, so let's talk about talk about the next one. I'll I'll let you set it up. All right, Ars Technica has the clickbaity wonderful headline: "Unsafe at any clock speed. Linux kernel security needs a rethink." Right. So this this goes into some interesting areas, but I think the biggest thing it, it talks about is you know it's like the Linux uh, operating system is no longer this edge case player anymore. Right. Yeah. You know, this this is like a mainstream, pretty much what everybody uses in the real world, especially for servers. So it is hands down a real target. Whereas before, especially if you were ever to talk to a, a Microsoft rep, you know, they would always say, oh yeah, you know, Linux, Linux can get viruses and attack too, just nobody cares about them because nobody uses Linux, so all the hackers come at us because, you know, we're, we're number one in the market. Well, Linux is number one in the market now, and now they're starting to see the fact that, yeah, they are under a little bit more scrutiny than they had been previously. Right, and Linux didn't have its year of the Linux desktop that everyone was sort of hoping for in the Linux community. It just ended up being installed on everything everywhere. So cell phones, coffee makers, refrigerators, washers and dryers, little buttons that you can click that buy Twinkies off Amazon for you. So one of the biggest arguments of... This article is that the Linux kernel was designed for security in a very narrow mindset. That this was designed for people logged into a machine, you know, keyboard attached or socket available, and that that no longer cuts it for what Linux is being used for. Yep. And it's to me, it begs the question: Are enough people paying it forward into Linux? Right. Well, not only that, but the the companies that are making money off Linux, you know, are, are they doing their part, right? They're not just sitting back on their heels, letting open source community handle the heavy lifting with Linux. That they're, they're getting involved and they're, they're doing their part to make sure that it stays secure and that products are secure. Yeah. So I mean, th- this is, if you know Ars Technica at all, you know that this is a hell of an article. Lots of graphs. Lots of detailed graphs and information. But it it really breaks down to Linux is where a lot of vulnerabilities for systems comes from. Uh, Linux kernel drivers are dangerous and are the source of a lot of problems in the Linux ecosystem. And it's kind of proposing a driver system similar to what Windows embraces right now. You know, a lot of uh, signed drivers or um, official support being being handled by uh, kernel maintainers and stuff like that. Yeah. So I, I recommend people check this out if you're in the Linux community. It's a very interesting read. Or even if you're just a system admin who, who uses Linux, definitely check it out. Yeah. Uh, links will be in our show notes. All or, the or links if you have a coffee everything machine. we talked about. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay. Well, I think that's gonna that's gonna wrap us up. We're we're Are right we out about an hour. Yeah, we're done. We we're didn't so even done. let hey. John. We didn't even let John talk. 
yeah, which you know we usually get higher ratings that that way. We did uh, again in Arizona. Go to the PHP meetup. I'm I'm pimping the PHP Oakley uh, podcast, and I'm realizing more and more we've got to be a little bit more explicit about the fact that we are the ugly in PHP Ugly. Oh like, yeah. There's there's just this uh, there's just this assumption that this is going to be a slam fest on PHP and <laughs> PHP coding. You say PHP is ugly, bro? <laughs> you say my PHP is so, ugly? We need to we need to think about our branding maybe that makes it makes it a little clearer that we are the ugly and PHP ugly. But but yes, we are we are the ugly crew. And uh, this has been episode 30 of PHP Ugly. Thanks for listening. I'm Eric Van Johnson. I'm Tom Rideout. Um, talk to you next week. Use a password manager. Stop saying use a password manager. I hate that one. Thanks for listening to this episode of PHP Ugly. And a special thanks to our sponsor, the Diego Dev Group. If you are looking for developers who care about the code they create, the communities they build, and the solutions they implement, then you want to reach out to the Diego Dev Group. You can find the Diego Dev Group at www.diegodev.com. Links and show notes from this episode of PHP Ugly can be found at www.phpugly.com. You can follow our hosts on Twitter. You can also follow PHP Ugly on Twitter at PHP Ugly. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Play Podcast, or SoundCloud. If you like what you hear, then please leave us a rating on iTunes. Until next week, keep it ugly.